Welcome to Get Up in the Cool Old Time Music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friends are Betsy and Clark. We recorded this a couple weeks ago at Wintergrass in Bellevue, Washington. Get Up in the Cool is listener-funded. Shout-out to Brendan Dempe and Alan Law, Get Up in the Cool's newest Patreon supporters on Patreon. I hope I pronounced your names correctly. Thank you so much for keeping the lights on over here, and thanks again to everyone else who chips in to make Get Up in the Cool happen every week. I'm happy to have Get Up in the Cool freely available, but it's super not free to make. So to anyone out there who enjoys this show and listens every week, or maybe you don't listen every week but would be sad if it stopped, consider signing up over at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can find the link in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with Betsy and Clark. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Clark, welcome back to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you very much. Hey, it's so good to be back in real life. I know. Yeah. I gave an open invitation to every remotely recorded Get Up in the Cool guest. Please, let's, let me make up for this and let's yeah. all do it again in person. Yeah. Not that we can't, you can't do it any time, but yeah. yeah, it's great to be to be breathing the same air. It is. As you. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. 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 It is good. We, I talked over you at the beginning because I was so excited. And I'm also so used to, even though we're not on stage, we're just here hanging out. But um, I, I have an affinity sometimes for saying the name of a tune after playing it. That's a good practice. It's fun. Yeah. It's the opposite of uh, the source, though, yeah. for this tune, yeah. Going Across the Sea. Um, our source, uh, Bob Holt who was a legendary Ozark fiddler. And I, if you ask, I can tell some stories about 
but about how I, I became aware of him. I will. <laughs> he, uh, on, on his, uh, you know, kind of a seminal album that, that uh, people, uh, th- thankfully, got released on Rounder Records, I think it was, um, uh, it, it, with his very, very low voice. Often uh, on the beginnings of those tracks, he yeah. would say, Going across the sea, like that, you know. But uh, uh, it can be fun pre-announced. But I, I, I it, on stage, yeah. I've enjoyed. I don't know. Sometimes I like saying it afterwards. I don't even know if I've done that this weekend. But yeah, it's right at the end of a tune, you just yelled in it. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of yeah, putting that little final exclamation point on it. Yeah, I, I like that because it's. Uh, I guess it lets people have their own conclusions about what the tune is. And then you're like, just so you know, in case you want to retroactively apply some meaning, that is going across the sea. But it's it's kind of nice in that way because it lets people go. Yeah, oh, that's own. what it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you pre-announce it and you don't say anything afterwards, people are like, wait, what was that tune called? Yeah. Yeah. So it's good for mm-hmm. memory too. And then, you, and then you say it again and, and they connect the meaning of the notes they just heard to the uh, concept. Yeah. Like, like the, a tune title is a concept. Yeah. Like, or it should be. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's more than, oh, I'm going to call this one lamp. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like. <laughs> now I want to write a tune that has maybe kind of like turn the lamp on or something. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Well, see, I kind of want to hear lamp. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right you should do it. It's either southern Missouri or northern Arkansas called Lamp, but yeah. it has an E on the end. So I'm not sure if they call it Lampy or Lamp. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, Betsy, how did you become aware of Bob Holt? Well, I'll tell you what, Cameron. It was uh, uh, I was I was getting into old-time fiddle in the uh, early, mid-90s. And uh, uh, like I think a lot of us, you know, get that sort of that romance of Appalachian fiddling and Tommy Gerald, you know, I got all excited about, I mean, who wouldn't, right? But here I was, I I was from Northwest Arkansas, I was living in Kansas City, and um, I couldn't relate to that fiddling. It just was completely foreign to me. It didn't make any sense at all. And um, I started uh, hearing some Ozark fiddling, and I'm like, that makes more sense to me. You know, it, I was exposed to Ozark fiddling as a child, but not that much. Just in little tiny hints here and there when I was, when there was some kind of event that I heard. And then um, in, uh, I believe it was 1998, uh, my second of three years that I went to the Augusta Heritage Center as a student, um, taking, you know, fiddle classes there. And I think it was 98, the the middle year, uh, Bob Holt was the um, master artist in residence there. And the band Ilmo Boys was, they who knew him for a long time, Fiddler Jeff Seitz, Jim Nelson, but anyway, they they were there playing with him a lot, and um, you know I hadn't I just hadn't come across him yet. I was still fairly early days in, in discovering fiddlers, and uh, there he was. And um, I'll tell you, his his bow arm, such a strong bow arm, so driving and rhythmic. You can those are sound like generic terms, but he really really lived them, and uh, uh, so. Here I was in West Virginia hearing a fiddler from Southern Missouri just yeah. a few hours from where I lived mm. with I and I, I kind of knew those guys from the Ilma boys a little bit and so I had a, a little bit of context um, and uh, uh, the funny thing was too a funny little story if I may uh, you know one of the days uh, early in the week I think uh, those guys are sitting outside the instructors we're gonna uh, have to play this dorm too. you know that right I don't know which tune, but... Go ahead. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I do know which... Of course I will, because it's in the story, and Clark knows the story. Perfect. Now we know what tune we're going to do. We do. We know what's next. Another another Bob Holt tune. Yeah, Yeah, great. Um, uh, So they're they're like, uh, you know, there's a jam outside the instructor's dorm, and and I come by, and, you know, uh, they were just rocking it. Bob Holt was just slaying it on the fiddle, and he's got the Elmo boys surrounding him and the other people in the circle. And I mean, this tune I hear, it's just like, oh man, it's the coolest fiddle tune I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, I have no idea what it is. And I go over to Jim Nelson, the guitar player, and I, I said, hey, after they got done, 
I didn't interrupt the jam. After they got done with that tune, hey, Jim, what's, what's the name of this? And he said, it's called Molly Put the Kettle On. I was like, yeah. yeah. I had already heard the skillet liquors. Yeah. Molly Put the Kettle On, you know, well, I'll take tea. But um, this didn't sound like that. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, file that away. Must learn this tune, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm taking all these classes, learning other tunes in, in class. And the next day, they're having another instructor's jam out there. And, and I come up, and there's Bob again in the middle of it. And he's just sawing down. And I hear this tune that I'm like, wait a minute. That's the best tune I've ever heard. What is this tune? So I did the thing again. You know, I go over to Jim afterwards. I'm like, what's I'm like, i got to catalog these tunes. I keep hearing all these great tunes from Bob Holt. Hey, Jim, what's this tune? He looks at me. Molly put the kettle on. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> well, 24 hours had passed, and there were a lot of tunes that went through my head in that time. Yeah, of course. Still, so he, still the greatest tune in the world. It's one of the greatest ever. And, it's like and Love at First Sight yeah. twice in a row. Totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe it was a Groundhog Day yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing. So, you know, and that, that was where, you know, as we're seeking out, you know, the, the, the musicians who, who can speak to us that, that, that ignite something that we didn't know mm-hmm. was in there, that, that inside ourselves where we're like, I recognize that. Yeah. Which first happened to me when I started listening to other Ozark fiddlers, too. And then hearing Bob Holt, you know, I didn't ever get to really know him, sadly. But at least I did get to see him and listen to him in person and and take in visually as well as auditorially, you know, what he was doing. And it was like, yeah, that's something that I think it, it, it put a spark in me, you know. And uh, so, yeah, give him a lot of credit for that. But, yeah, oh, mm. my gosh, I was so embarrassed that second day. <laughs> Jim like practically rolled his eyes out of his head because he, he, I'm sure he remembered. He told me the day before. <laughs> I eventually remembered, and and so yes, as soon as I got home, I mean, I bought that 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 album there in West Virginia. Took it home and and still learning tunes off of it. It's yeah. just oh, the powerful bowarm. I mean, he played he played square dances all the time. Um, and, and you can really hear it. And I definitely know that that fiddling, uh, uh, you know, still informs me. I don't think my arm is as strong as his was though, mm. but my voice is getting lower. So I'm going to be able to announce those tunes. <laughs> they, 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 they liked him. They liked him fast down there oh, yeah. for dances. And, uh, and the other thing was you had to be able to play loud because, um, the dancers would wear, uh, clackers. Taps on their like shoes. Taps on their Just shoes. the regular dancers. Like I mean, the like square the, dancers. In the, in the square, yeah, the square wow. dancers. But not like performance wait, square wait, dancers. Wait, wait. It's just what they did for fun. Do they fun. step in time or are they just uh-huh. like... Yeah, yeah, no, everybody's stepping in time. time. Are they flat-footing while they're square dancing? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You Essentially, know? like they're really yeah. clogging. Yeah. I think, I think sure. They, yeah, although clogging, in the Ozarks, yeah. they also call it Ozark jigging. But I think when it's a group thing it's not necessarily called that it's like when yeah. there's one person like what we call flat footing yeah. you know to yeah. with a with a group or with a band or by themselves or with one fiddler um that individual wise i believe they do call it ozark jigging wow. which is very free form yeah. i an old man told me about that one time but in the squares they're definitely stepping in time yeah you can hear it on the old recordings it's, it's a, like chat, chat. there's some recordings where you're trying to learn a tune and like the dancers are just really loud. It's so drowned out to, by the tap. You're trying to listen to the fillers. I can't imagine how embodied an, an entire culture would have to be in order for a room of dancers to be to have taps and yeah. to not destroy the groove of the band. That doesn't make sense. I can't imagine I, what I that I would feel like it's almost collaborative. Like. It's like part of the music. It's part of the sound, you know? Yeah, I mean, it makes one wonder, did, uh, I doubt it, but did the band, you know, kind of uh, work with them, or was it just symbiotic? I don't know if that's the right word right. for it, you know? Right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Let's play that Molly, put the kettle Yeah, on. and then I, I want to ask more questions after after this about <coughs> um, Midwestern, or I guess specifically Southern Midwestern yeah. time, because we were talking a little bit about that before before we hit record, and I have a lot more questions. Oh, yeah. Every anytime where I uh, 
and playing guitar on an episode, I want everyone to take me to school because oh, so, I'm very new to old-time guitar. So I, I think we were specifically speaking about the esoteric intricacies of rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. As, uh, and how, how it's applied in a region and genre. Yeah. Yeah. Molly, put the kettle on. <laughs> <laughs> comes from i mean people who know that tune they know the tune slash song you know from the skill of liquors yeah but it's not like that at all you know no yeah so i don't know it's not even remotely the same no yeah (laughs) uh washing your your left hand uh is fascinating when you're playing all that melody with I need to take a lesson with you. Oh, sometime. yeah. yeah a, <laughs> I want to learn how to do what you're there's doing. There's a lot there. of weird stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. It's like, those are not shapes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is a full melody. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to talk to you about yeah. that. <laughs> okay. So before we uh, got started, we were, um, you were telling me, Betsy, that uh, there is this sort of rhythmic phenomenon um, in the in the style of fiddling that uh, that you play, and I'm kind of guessing that that has to do with the regionality uh, of of the kind of fiddling that, like Ozark fiddling, Midwestern fiddling, um, that's you're playing ahead of the beat, uh, and you were saying just because it sounds like I'm playing ahead of the beat, don't necessarily think that I'm trying to speed things up. And I was like, oh, that's really, really helpful because I feel like I've heard this really beautiful, intense sound before in, I think, specifically Midwestern square dances Hmm. uh, where it it sounds like it's going to explode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And in a way that I don't hear in other traditions. And I'm wondering if that has something to do with it and if you could speak on that some more. Yeah. So, um, and you know, it's interesting when we talk about like Midwestern fiddling, there's a lot of Midwestern fiddling. I have no clue about. It's a right? big region. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, it <laughs> yeah, is of course. a big region. And, and you know, I, I don't, I, I, I gravitate toward, I feel like I relate best 
to Ozark Fiddling, both from southern Missouri and northern Arkansas, and uh, the little sliver of northeast Oklahoma um, mm. that is still part of the Ozark Plateau. Um, and for whatever reason, I mean, I grew up there, yeah. so you know, it's probably part of it. But um, but uh, it, it's it's probably a combination of just how I feel it or how, you know, how I relate to that. But certainly with, you know, my armchair scholar approach to trying to study it without being an expert on it. I'm there. It's, it's playing into the beat and you really hear that with a lot of these um, fiddlers who many of whom are gone now, but not just the, you know, the, the twenties, 1920s region uh, era fiddlers, but, but fiddlers who, well, maybe they were just starting to grow up then who got recorded in the seventies, eighties into the nineties, even who were, well, probably around those same ages or so, um, that just, they, they play into the downbeat. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that for people who are trying to learn the tunes from printed music, which, you know, it's a whole other topic on that, but I, I mean, uh, although, you know, annotation of the tunes is, is super important because that existed before recording this, yeah. right? Yeah. But it still is an approximation of of how the music is played. So it would be too convoluted to print it with how a lot of these fiddlers would play it. Right. You'd have to have all these ties over the measure line and yeah. like a 16th note or an 8th note going into that. I'm just imagining all, all the bar lines just sort of, yeah. or like writing just too right. far to the right of yeah, where yeah. the notes actually go. Just offset then, everything by a 32nd note. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Except for a couple things that are dead center. Right. And then, and then that's, that's how it's done. Yeah. But I love thinking about the idea of there's places to put the, there's places to place a note, infinite places. So there's a beat, and then you can place in front of the beat, or you can place after the beat, and the tempo remains the same. The tempo doesn't move, but where you put a note um, in relation to that actual beat um, affects the energy, and so. So one of the things that happens is if you have one element that is that where that's the thing, like that element is going to be out in front of the beat. Yeah. There's as a rhythm section, there's this desire to to chase that to go with. Yeah. To to, uh-huh. to, to go to to go with to put it to put it. Um, I'm using my hands right now. So so if if the melody instrument is out in front of the beat. Then the rhythm section tries to catch up to put that melody instrument on the center of the beat. Right. And then the melody instrument moves out in front of the beat again. Yeah. And then they do it again. <laughs> and that's how you get runaway train. Right. And so so the intricacies of trusting that, like, you know, this is the tempo, this is the beat. I'm going to let that thing be out in front of the beat. And it builds yeah. it builds excitement like that like like you said it feels like it's gonna explode yeah because there's this there's this tension it's like it wants to just go and it makes it feel it honestly that that thing makes it feel kick ass you know it's just like um it's not just dependent i mean it's not just part of you know, old time fiddle either. Uh, I I started be, to become more aware of that idea with other genres of music, which you know Clark has more deep knowledge on him than I do. But even like uh, jazz, which I can't really speak on much, but it, with regards, especially with bass players yeah. or drummers and or drummers, who it's like I need this. To, I need you to be dead center on this beat. Yeah. Or I need you to be ahead of the beat, but it depends on the tune and who's playing, how what your approach is. But it's sort of like that, uh, except that somehow the mystery of that with with some of this uh, old time Ozark fiddling is they just had a sense for it, you know, yeah. guitar yeah. players and backup and um, uh, you know and, and complementary instruments. Somehow it was a, a, a part of the awareness without even having to talk about it. And that's yeah. I, 
I seriously doubt they sat around and talked no. about it. No. Yeah. That's ideas, what's so interesting because we have to. Are, you know. We have to talk about it. We don't have to, but it's great to talk about it. But somehow, earlier times, you know, earlier eras, people before now, they just, it just sort of happened sure. that way. And, and, and it's part of what we're fascinated by, right? Is like yeah. how to try to touch upon it. And so what we have to do is we have to try to talk about it. And yeah, I, I went through it a lot with my, my former band. Um, uh, and, and it was, it was very helpful for me to, to, for us all to get into that. They got, they got really good at that playing center of the beat and letting, letting, you know, but allowing the fiddle to pull into that. But then like Clark was talking about too, like, then there's a certain part of the phrase where it's going to be right on it. Yeah. But maybe it's just that it's that thing of going into that downbeat. And uh, if you relate it to dance music, maybe that's where the foot lifts up right before the sure. start. You huh. know? I think that could be part of it. Well, I think one of the reasons Betsy and I play well together is because we understand each other's pockets. Because so, so I'm not, I just want to make it clear, I'm not like when we play as a duo. I'm not like dead center on the beat and she's out in front like right. all the time. It's a spectrum. Sure. You know, it's, it's a continual moving spectrum of feel. This is the esoteric nature of rhythm. And this is like a whole giant spend your life thinking about this stuff. Yeah. This stuff. Um, but like, so sometimes I'll, I'll just go with her. Like we won't speed up, but we're both in front of the beat. You know, and the pockets, yeah. the, the pockets spoken for just, yeah. it's not even given. It's, it's just a very sort of special connection. <laughs> <laughs> you got to spend a lot of time with someone to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's, I mean, I'm just going to honestly say that's what, you know, feels so special about playing mm. when we play music with each other. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not like repertoire in common. Like we've rehearsed this and yeah. we know this sure. stuff. And it's it's just like we've learned to understand each other rhythmically, mm. you know, and not not through analysis, yeah, you know, but through but through playing, you know, and I think that's what makes. I mean, timing first, rhythm first. In all music, I'm imagining pop, pop, our pop, listeners pop, like doing a lot of like winking and nudging, like yeah, they're they're right. put imagining us doing that while we're having this philosophical right. discussion. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're talking about music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think it's interesting. All of this talk about like where the beat is. The, if if one were to trans, transcribe these last couple tunes, to me it sounds like the phrases start. Where like in predictable places, they start on the first beat, you know, or if they have a little pickup, it's like a emphasis is still on the first beat. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing about it is like it's it is very obvious how the phrases are divided and the tunes are pretty square. Yeah. Um, But all of the uh, all of the the rhythmic and tempo stuff that's happening is happening in this thing that would look completely square if if written, if written to, if simplified onto paper. Whereas like simplified, yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the only logical way to transcribe it would be to, yeah, yeah, say that it starts on B one, you know. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like other traditions, like like a Kentucky tune, they like all the phrases are the way you would write it is like they're all shifted shifted forward in time like on purpose like the way you would write it it's like they start before the bottom like, line oh, if, the note, if the notes depends on who's transcribing line. it too right yeah 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 so but, yeah I, I i think it's really interesting that uh the again if one were to transcribe it like the the content the like you could say like the text of the music which doesn't mean anything but like is all fairly straightforward, but when I sit down and try to play it with y'all, it's like there is so much, so much high context communication going on. Right. And uh, anyway, all that is to say, I appreciate uh, you walking me through that. I, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm learning a lot. <laughs> you know, to that end of of, of um, uh, trying to put it 
visually yeah. down. Uh, over the last several years, um, I've I've become very fond of and 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 enamored with transfixed by um, the work of Marion Thiebe, yeah. who was yeah from uh, from Oklahoma. And her uh, book, The Fiddle Book, yeah. on Oak Publications. I don't remember who told me to get it when I was first getting into old-time fiddle in the early 90s. But they said, just get The Fiddle Book. And um, uh, not to say you have to learn tunes from a book. But they sure. you know, said, this is an important work. And so, okay, I got it. And I couldn't do anything with it back then. Yeah. Um, but after all these years of, of studying and digging deep and, and also... Not just studying it, but through the process of teaching and how I, I speak about the bowing elements as I see them. Uh, not I don't call them patterns because most of these tunes that we play in the fiddle music, doesn't matter if they're Ozark or not, don't really follow a pattern. You'll right, have a shuffle for a second. Yeah, you'll have a shuffle for a second, but then you're on to another thing. You get a couple pairs, you get I borrow note, uh, a um, verbial, verbal, Verbosity, for sure. But I, 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 I borrow terminology from fretted instruments like hammer-ons and pull-offs nowadays when I describe the Boeing elements. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, there's you know you have this, you're on to another thing. And then um, Marion Thede's work is, in my opinion, some of the most detailed and complete work you can find. And I'm still working on interpreting some of what she did with her notation, she uses she used grace notes a lot. Yeah, and how to interpret them? I yeah. on certain tunes, I think she's doing that to indicate playing into the downbeat. Yeah, because yeah. there's a slur going into the downbeat. Right, and it's like, but she's written it on beat one, and uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so it's so it's super interesting, just like what you're talking about. I mean, it's it's similar to some of the uh, the Appalachian music in that way where it's playing in but it's still written to be you know i guess just easier to see i mean to that yeah and i mean there's a there's a tune we love to play well the one that really set it for me and 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 just like hooked me on that collection was a tune called goner right and we did that i think in our last one it, it may have i can't remember for sure if it was the bonus track or not but people should go back and listen to it if it's in the episode and should support the show if, if they want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or find another recording. Yeah. Like and uh, subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Smash that. Let's subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, turn into an influencer. Yeah. <laughs> all-time influencer. Uh, what should we play instead? Well, I'll tell you. We've been talking okay, about time. Way. We've been talking about time. And that made me think of uh, uh, different people's versions of uh, interesting versions of time. Like when you when you're not necessarily steeped in like traditional western formal music education uh, pulse is a is a universal we all sure. have a pulse and so we understand pulse but but when it comes to meter we end up uh making what we doing what we will with it yeah so like ernie carpenter is a perfect example of that all of his mm-hmm. tunes like have pocket out the wazoo, but they're all super crooked. If you try to count them in four, they don't count yeah. in four. Um, and then Violet Hensley, um, who's one of Betsy's uh, mentors, dear friend, and she's still with us at 105 years years old. And um, she uh, she plays a lot of her stuff crooked, consistently crooked, even the, like standards like Angelina Baker and stuff like she plays crooked and i asked her i said now violet like why do you why do you play it that way yeah and she said because that's how it lines up with my foot okay that's literally like, like, that's, that's literally, a bit of circular logic but I, yeah. <laughs> that i love yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but that but that's literally it pulse is universal in music and um but meter meter can be what it will and so I was thinking all yeah. the well, I mean, I have festival brain right now, so I'm just <laughs> thinking this stuff. And, and uh, uh, um, that made me think of Ernie Carpenter's Cripple Creek, yeah. which happens to be, have an extra beat per phrase. So 
So, Great. Let's, so it works out in five. Let's play. Let's play it. Yeah, I can't wait. Too much talk. Let's, <laughs> more. Perfect amount of talk. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to launch it. Okay? Yep. Exciting. <laughs> I you just made a crooked to crooked. Yeah. I had this moment where I was I was like, oh, I'm totally gonna go do it, and then I was like, how do I do that in this yeah. tune? <laughs> if I didn't start, I, exactly. I, I can't. Yeah. yeah. Where does it go? <laughs> All right. So y'all have to go soon. So we should um, jump into the next tune. Talk about where people go to buy your music and hire you for things and follow you for musical news, and then play a final tune. Okay. What is this song? It's called Twilight is Stealing, and it's a song uh, from the it's 19th century Quaker hymn, right, Clark? Mm. I, I believe so. It got we, adopted by the We Quakers. learned it from a recording from Almeda Riddle from Heber Springs, Arkansas. Yeah. And, uh, and we were performing. And we just knew it from there, and we had played it a lot, and nobody seemed to know that people liked it, but they didn't know what it was. And then we were playing on a Home Roots tour. Um, in Canada. In Canada, in rural Canada, and uh, playing a little house concert in the middle of nowhere in the middle of winter in Canada. And we played it, and you could see the people in the in this house concert. Their eyes lit up, and huh. they started singing along with us. And we were so like... So great. And we were like, whoa... <laughs> this has never happened before. Yeah. And then so um, someone on Tet Breaker after the show told us he was so happy that we played this song and that he loved it and that that there's a large Quaker community um, there and that was a song that they sang. So And so it was really exciting and touching. Um, that, well, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> let's, let's okay. play. Do you want me to kick it? Yes, please. Okay. Shadows are falling 
Sweet song. Twilight is stealing. Yeah. Isn't it just I love lovely? I'm gonna have to think about Quaker singing about mansions. That is a paradigm. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, right. interesting yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. really, or, yeah, or a paradox. A paradox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I a know. paradigm conflict for right, Quakers. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. I, yeah. You know that hadn't occurred to me, and I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, that doesn't. Maybe they're like, well, once we die and go to heaven, then that, we can. That, I, then, think yeah, the, yeah. I think that's the deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah then yeah. we can do it. We're yeah. earning it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For our gray we'll clothes just, today. Everybody's going to live together in that great big mansion. Yeah. Yeah. There's room for everyone there. Gleameth that's a good point. the mansion. Yeah. Gleameth the mansion filled with delight. Sweet, happy home so bright. Sweet. Yeah. So, yeah. So, maybe... Maybe if you live somewhere where everybody gets a mansion. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> a mansion. It's a mansion. Yeah. yeah. It's One a mansion. mansion for everybody. Yeah. 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 One mansion Everybody's for all the people. Yeah. We all share the mansion. What if we just treated this earth like it was a mansion and we all shared it? We could start with the Hyatt. Mm. We could where start we are right with now. the Hyatt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so speaking of... Riches and, and wealth. How do how does everyone make you all fabulous, fabulously wealthy uh, with the music that you make, either through in-person music or recorded works? How do people find out when new stuff happens? Go. BetsyandClark.com. BetsyandClark.com. With E's. We yeah, both have an E-T-S-E, A-N-D-C-L-A-R-K-E.com. Yeah, and there's a you know direct email link there. You can sign up on the email list right there on our contact page. Um, there's some uh, videos and and uh, some uh, sound uh, music samples there. Uh, we're 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 on the verge of uh, going into some new well areas that have been brewing for a while. But I mean, Clark has really been doing a lot of that, and we're looking at some new chapters in our music. Cool. There, there, yeah, there are yeah. also um, digital albums available on Bandcamp if people search Betsy and Clark yeah. on Bandcamp. And there are um, links from our website to those. Yeah, Perfect. you can get there, yeah. all there from the from the website. And uh, yeah, new things are coming. Cool. And then, and, then one, and then one more cheap plug for all the weird stuff that I do that is not this music, but, uh, but is still uh, an equally important 
part of my and our creative life. Clarks in Space, C-L-A-R-K-E-S-I-N-S-P-A-C-E on YouTube. If you search Clarks in Space, one word, um, you can find a lot of stuff that, that includes collaborations with Betsy, but it's a, a very different kind of uh, stuff. Multiple but, Clarks. Yeah, multiple. I was yes. sustained on your wonderful music videos during <laughs> the worst parts of the pandemic yeah. and lockdown. I was like, look, Clarks found some good company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's he doing today? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for making time in your busy winter grass schedule to do this. And Thank you. I hope we can play some off mic tunes at some point this weekend, if not very soon. Absolutely. So. We don't have to work at all tomorrow. So. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, we'll see if we can make it happen. Yeah. I can stay up tonight. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. What should we, we do for our do. last one? I know. Like, what should we do? Do you have any thoughts? I mean, no. I, okay. So, let's see. You're in A, so do, we, do you want to go back? Your That's not... in G. Oh, I can get to G pretty quick. I think I can manage it. Uh, it's from, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ed Haley. Ed Haley. Ed Haley. And, you know... It's not. No, I'm happy to do it. Uh, you know that Hartford album, Speed of the Old Longbow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's on there. <laughs> Mention it. Not that it's not apropos, but uh, um, those Haley tunes. The, the the what's that? Whatever that one big long recording is of you know a whole bunch of stuff from the home recordings. It's amazing the work they did on making them audible some of them you still can't even really hear i mean it's just like the tapes were so dirty and everything Uh, as i recall when when it was clark and i were driving out to west virginia actually when we were teaching there a handful of years ago and um and brushy brown came up and i i'm sure i'd played in some jams or something but hadn't really properly learned it and we were like wait a second oh yeah we got to work on this tune and uh and then we we played it at a square dance, like the first or second night that we were there uh, at Augusta Heritage Center. So um, going back, it's interesting. This this visit with you, Cameron, has been like Ozark and West Virginia. We got a theme. Yeah, <laughs> Great. West Virginia. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So in G. Russia. Want to try it? Yeah. And remember. It's-
Brushy run. Brushy run. <laughs> Brushy run. <laughs> Visit Betsy and Clark's website at BetsyandClark.com to buy their albums, stay up to date with their new projects, and see where they're playing and teaching next. And go subscribe to Clark's In Space on YouTube for some fun, non-old-time music. Links to all of that in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. Order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional Clawhammer banjo series or to schedule a lesson with me. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set, available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.